What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome everyone, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of the Action Academy podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lubin, and I'm here to help you be a fly on the wall with conversations of people that have achieved financial independence, helping you navigate the mindset, methodology, and actions that you can take to become financially independent yourself. What does financial independence mean? It means that you no longer trade your time for money and you have your freedom. So today is a perfect example of someone that accomplished that at a young, young age. So Craig Kirlop is our guest today, aka the Fi Guy, F-I, as in financial independence. Uh, Craig is stationed over in Denver, Colorado, one of my favorite cities in the country, and he's one of my good friends. Um, I'm going to read you his brief bio really quickly. Starting with $90,000 in student loan debt and a negative, negative people, $30,000 net worth in 2017, Craig uses various tactics to make more, spend less, and invest the difference wisely to become financially independent 2.5 years later in 2019. That is two and a half years, people. Everything that you think can be accomplished in 40 years, 50 years, 60 years can be accomplished in 2.5. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the topic of our show today. Craig is actually also the author of The House Hacking Strategy, How to Use Your Home to Achieve Financial Freedom by Bigger Pockets Publishing. And uh, so without further ado, let's get to it. Mr. Craig Kirlop. Three, two, one. Mr. Craig Kirlop, we are live, my friend. Dude, Brian, thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm an honor to be one of the earlier episodes. So, Dude, yeah, it's great to have you, man. I can't, I can't see that mustache and stare directly at it and not have you on this podcast. For those of you that are listening right now, I'm sorry to say you're missing out on the eighth wonder of the world, and that is Craig's mustache. That's right. It's uh, yeah, I think I think it was just put in like the world record books or whatever you call it, the almanac as the eighth wonder. So look that look that up. <laughs> but Craig, man, great to have you on. Um, obviously, you know, probably we're going to take this with the house hacking with your uh, stint over at Bigger Pockets um, and where you're going next. What's up with the five team? What's up with the new content? So to get us started off, man, tell us about, you know, who's Craig Kirlop? Where did you come from? Um, what's your story? Yeah. So, you know, my name is Craig Curlop, uh, born and raised in Massachusetts, went out to California to work in venture debt. And that sucked. Venture so, debt. Venture debt. So you've heard of venture capital, right? Yeah. You trade money for equity. Uh, mm-hmm. Venture debt is basically like hard money loans for startup companies. So they, we would give loans out to startups they would pay us back with interest, you know, points, interest, all that. So um, it's exactly what it is. It's hard money loans for startup companies. So I would do a lot of underwriting with them and it sucked, man. It was like 60, 70, 80, hundred hour weeks. Um, you know, the pay was good, but that's it. Right. You kind of just got beat to death at work. And I was like, man, there's just no way I want to do this for the rest of my life. So, I, you know, I stumbled upon real estate investing, stumbled upon bigger pockets and was like, yo, this stuff is the real deal. Early financial independence is totally in my future. Anyone can absolutely do this. And so I went on to bigger pocket and started listening to the podcast, watching the webinars, reading the books, all the all the, the whole nine yards. Yep. And 
uh, learn about house hacking, man. Like I think I've probably heard Brandon and Josh uh, talking about house hacking and just how powerful the strategy that was. Lo and behold, I moved to Denver, got a job at Bigger Pockets, and before I knew it, I was sitting next to Brandon and Josh um, under contract on my first house hack. So it all happened really quick, and I really haven't looked back from there. Dude, that is that is awesome. Wasn't there some kind of um... What was the story about you actually going over to bigger pockets? Like, didn't you leave something specific? Like, I know you left the job, but wasn't there like some friction, like with you transitioning over there to fly to Denver? Um, I, I don't know if there was any, I mean, I guess like uh, there wasn't any friction, like just the job. I mean, there's like a story of how I kind of like, basically I went to my CIO or the chief investment officer at the last company. This yeah. is like a, a billion plus dollar company, by the way. So this guy's kind of a, He's a, well, he thought he was a big deal at least. Uh, yeah. And uh, I basically went, I tried to Chris boss him. I don't think I've told the story actually. <laughs> so basically I got, I got, I did like that year. I did the most deals. I did like over a hundred million dollars worth of deals. That's a great book. Yep. Uh, and I, I didn't get paid my full bonus. I like was, you know, did the most deals as an agent, did the most work, all this stuff. And I only got paid like, you know, 25% instead of 50%. And I was really hoping for 50%. And so I went, had a meeting with him and I went in and just said, how am I supposed to accept this? And he was like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? Like you can resign. I don't care. Like you like what? <laughs> basically like showed that back in my face. And so a couple of weeks later, um, I did resign. I got it out of your pockets. And, uh, that was, that was that. I haven't really told that story, which I think is kind of a funny one. Um, but that was the only maybe yeah. animosity that I thought, you know, kind of happened in the transition. Dude, that, that is fantastic. So for, for y'all that don't know and that are listening right now, he's talking about Chris Voss. The book is called, uh, what is it? I've never got it right here. Difference. Yeah, Never Split the Difference. He was an FBI hostage negotiator and he teaches uh, different like tactics and strategies for negotiation. And one of them that he does that's the most popular is uh, asking, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to accept this? So Craig, yeah. Craig, Craig uh, got Voss, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I got that shit thrown back in my face for sure. Um, yeah, needless to say, I, I wound up with the exact amount that um, I was given originally. So that 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 meeting did nothing for me, but it just it made me realize that you know, kind of like they, they talked about in Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? How you can like work your ass off, and I made the company. I mean, I did a hundred million dollars worth of deals, right? Like. Even if the company made 1%, which is where they make way more than 1%, right? Probably it's close to 10%. Like I probably helped the company make 10 million plus dollars. And the only thing they could give me is 25 grand, right? Mm. Uh, and it was like a lot of work. Like, a, like I, I viewed like that, that bonus at the end of the year as all of the overtime that I did, right? All of the, anything over 40 hours a week. And if you actually calculate that out, I get paid like, geez, like a fraction of a fraction, fraction of a percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and to people listening to this right now, think, think about that and think about how many times have you witnessed that in your own job? Because I know that I've gotten shafted and they didn't even take me out to dinner first. They just, they just hit me with it. <laughs> so all of us have experienced this. And then this is going to lead into the next couple of the questions that I'm asking, because Craig had a job where it was a thankless job. You go sit down, put your head down, grind out, do what you're told. And you're going to have a little bit of the table scraps at the end of the feast. So the entire C-suite is going to eat. Then your managers are going to eat. Your VPs are going to eat. And then you're going to eat whatever's left over on the bone. So the entire idea 
of behind all of this that Craig's about to talk about today is going to be from taking to the table scraps to now we're setting our own table. We got our own table. We're sitting at the big kids' yeah. table, Craig. Yeah, big kids, yeah, I graduated. I'm out of that Fisher Price bullshit. Now we're, we're, we're oh, no, the, real, the real deals. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're throwing it out. So we're obviously going to get into house hacking and then we're going to get into the nuts and bolts and the strategy of it. But behind that, I want to talk a little bit about um, two topics. First of, it took balls to do that. So I don't want to, I don't want to like gloss over the fact that it, you were in a situation between kind of like you had, I mean, it was a comfortable job, right? Yeah. I was making six figures. Exactly. So you took a comfortable job and you said, Hey, this is not fitting my lifestyle. And like, I, I can do better. So then you, you put it out there and then you took the risk. Honestly, it was a calculated risk going to bigger pockets. Cause it was just like a startup phase still kind of right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it wasn't quite, I mean, it was clearly getting momentum. Yeah. It was kind of in the middle. Like Josh was still the CEO. Um, you know, it was a, it was still a really fun, fun company to work with. It didn't get so corporate at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. I mean, I took a pay cut, right? So I basically, um, I took a pay cut, like I almost a half pay cut to go work at bigger pockets, but the opportunity there was just so obvious, right? Cause I was trying to get into real estate. I had applied for like, was 250 jobs in one weekend, all in real estate being like someone's assistant real estate agent, like being a real estate agent's assistant, just so I can get in making eight bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour. Like that's what I applied for. And 249 of those jobs were jobs like that. The one job that I had that had any sort of like decency was that job at Bigger Pockets, where I got pit, where it was a normal wage. I think I started at like 65,000 a year. And I was like, and I get to sit and hang out with, you know, I get to call Scott Trench and Josh Dorkin and Brandon Turner kind of like my friends. Uh, at the time, I was like, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Right. No, no question. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I'm glad you made the move, man. Everyone is. And that, that was actually going to be one of my next questions was what took you to bigger pockets specifically instead of going like, I guess the first route would be, oh, I want to go into real estate. I'm going to be a realtor. So I guess that answered that. I guess this was lucky number 249. <laughs> Craig, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It was, I just, I kind of just looked on the website. I submitted an application kind of into the abyss of like, you know, when you apply to on a website, like no one, I assume no one ever looks at those. Um, but I got an email back and I was like pretty excited about it. And, um, you know, here I am. Cool. So you go and you join bigger pockets for those of you that are getting into podcasting, or you're just now listening to this and you're not familiar with real estate at all. Bigger pockets is the biggest online community for real estate investing. And the bigger pockets podcast is the biggest podcast for, uh, real estate investors. And they have a lot of uh, books and a lot of good stuff like that. And Craig actually wrote one of them, which is the house hacking strategy. And we're going to go into that after this final question that I have leading up to it is Craig, why do you do all of this? What is your vision? What is your why? Why do this? Yeah. So I, I wanted to become financially independent as soon as possible. I wanted to. Uh, and so my whole thing was like sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And and just get to a point where I no longer have to rely on income to live. And so, uh, I mean, my, my story starts many, if you've ever heard me before, know the story of my first place where I bought a duplex 
rented out the top, lived in the bottom. It still wasn't cash flowing me, but I was damn determined to make that thing cash flow. So I basically put up a curtain and a room divider, lived behind a curtain for a year while Airbnb being out my bedroom. And that made me like, you know, $700 a month plus I was living for free. Right. And so like, would I do that today? No. But like, if I was 23, 24, when I first started, would I do that? Would I do it all over again? 100%, like no question about it. So, uh, yeah, so I was just so aggressive at getting there after like two and a half years or so, I finally hit that like base level financial independence. And that was it. I was like, okay, like I'm good. But then, you know, you're at like $3,000 a month of passive income. Like, I don't really want to live my life on $3,000 a month of passive income, right? You start to look up and you're like, oh, okay. Like the house looks nice. I can start buying organic foods. I can start maybe wearing some nicer clothes. Maybe have a nicer gym membership. Like the lifestyle creep kind of happens and I was still young and I'm like, well, I kind of want to still work. I want to still build something. And so then I got my real estate license and started helping some other people out. And, uh, yeah, that's just really taken off. So, um, it's been, yeah. it's been fun. And then five team is, is that just your online brand or then what's your, what's your actual real estate team name? Yes. Yeah, so, so the team name, our team name is the Fi team. Um, I'm the Fi guy, right? That's me on Instagram. And you know, the, the Fi guy brand is just like, Hey, we're helping people achieve financial independence to real estate investing, kind of like a one to many, right? Like we're putting mm-hmm. out content, we're putting out all this kind of stuff. Um, we just launched a course. There's a, a podcast, like all this stuff is just like one to many. The Fi team is more like, Hey, we've got a team of real estate agents that have house hacked, that understand house hacking, that know everything. And we can guide, coach, mentor you through that entire process. We'll get you into our community of, of house hackers and real estate investors. So you've got other people dealing with the same problems. You can have friends that are house hacking. So we all know a rising tide lifts all, all ships and you are the people that you surround yourself with. So we're just trying to like make everybody a super successful house hacker and, and, and basically have everyone achieve early financial independence to real estate investing so they can go out and, you know, live their dreams. Dude, I love it. So let's, let's take a back step here. Um, for anybody listening, we've thrown around house hacks and now it's the, it's the moment of truth. There's uh, drum rolls in the background. And if I knew how to edit audio on a podcast, like I'd throw it in, I'd throw it yeah. in. I'm going to count on you to figure it out for this one. So Craig, tell, tell the people what is a house hack? Yeah. So a house hack is, it's the whole idea that you buy a one to four unit property with a low percent down. You're going to buy it with, you know, as low as 0% if you're like a a veteran up to maybe 5% down, if you're just a traditional person, uh, zero to 5% down, you live in one part, live it, uh, rent out the rest, your tenants cover your mortgage and you live for free. So if it's a single family house, you're going to live in one room, rent out the other rooms, maybe you live in the upstairs, rent out the downstairs, whatever. And if it's a duplex, triplex, or quad, you're going to live in one unit, rent out the other units. And all of that rent is going to hopefully cover your mortgage or at least subsidize your mortgage. And you're going to live extremely cheap or free. Well, Craig, who would want to do something like that? What if I try to get tenants and they don't want to live in the same house as somebody else? Yeah. (laughs) Great question. Uh, So, Really what you have to do, right, is you have to do your research and you have to do your tenant screening. You've got to make sure that 
you know, the tenants that you're coming, that are coming in are going to be high quality tenants. You're going to do your background checks, your credit checks, landlord references, like all of the things you need to do uh, and make sure that, you know, you're never going to reduce those audits to zero, but you can reduce them to very, very small, that you're going to end up with a bad tenant. And uh, the whole point of it is to eliminate what likely is your largest expense, which is your rent or your mortgage payment. And so mm-hmm. by doing that, you're able to save and save and save so you can buy another house in another year. And just repeat that process. And over the course of five, six years, you start to generate quite the portfolio. Yeah. And then a good a good um, way to tack onto that is, so I do the same thing. So I'm a couple of steps behind Craig. I'm not, I'll never, I never made it to the level of badassery to, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to make it a word badassery. I don't know if I made it to that level to where I did the whole curtain closed off uh, closet in the living room. Well, I was running out the bedroom, but that is, uh, that's pretty metal, man. But, uh, I'm on my second house hack right now. I'm getting my third in December. So what he's talking about to kind of put numbers to it is you can, so a lot of people have it in their head that you can buy a house that you have to save 20%, right? That's not the case when you live in the house. So right now the conventional loans in Atlanta, I, I don't, they're probably the same in Denver, but they're like 5% for like second conventional loan. But if it's your first one, like you said, like 3%, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So you put 3% down. So you have a $300,000 house and you're putting like seven, eight grand into the house to be able to live in it. So you live in it, you run out the other side and you're able to easily save that money like over and over and over again to be able to keep funneling into other houses, keep funneling into other houses. And then also now you don't pay rent. Now you don't have a mortgage payment. I haven't made a mortgage payment technically myself in two and a half years. So, so talk a little bit more about kind of some of the questions that you hear about, because I'm sure you've talked about this on dozens of podcasts. You've talked to dozens of conferences and I could have talked about this myself because it's what I do. But the reason I wanted to bring you on is because like you've got the book and I thought this would be even bigger like splash and a take home. So what are the biggest things, biggest obstacles that you see people running into that prevent them from doing this? And what do you kind of tell those people to those specific obstacles? Maybe like two or three of them. Cause I can already yeah. think of. Oh yeah. There's a whole bunch. I think we actually have a whole section in the book on this. Like, the Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, a big one is I don't want to live with other people. Uh, and you don't have to live with other people, right? You can do like a luxury house hack where you, you know, you rent out the basement and just live in the upstairs. So you're not actually sharing space with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't want to do the work, but a couple years of work is a lot shorter than like 40 years of work. Uh, some people don't want to pay PMI. So they want to save 20%, which is just total BS. Cause like literally your wealth will grow 10 times before you can even fund the down payment on a 20% down doing a house mm-hmm. hack. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, and those are some of the, the ones off the top of my head. I mean, there, there's probably like seven or eight that are fairly legitimate, but once you kind of dig into them, it's like, you're just limiting beliefs. Exactly. And a lot of people come to me and they ask me, Hey, what's the easiest way to get started in real estate? Because a lot of people feel in America and obviously outside of Atlanta, outside of Denver, like these are two of the hottest markets, but all across the country, people are getting priced out of the market, quote unquote. And they say, hey, how can I do this? How am I going to be able to afford that house to live in for the first time? So 
Craig said luxury house hack, which is what I do. So what I do is I buy five bedroom, four bed bathroom houses with an in-law suite. That's what it's called in the basement where they have an extra kitchen. And that's where back in the seventies and eighties, they would have their in-laws live in. So I live in the basement right now. I'm filming this from the basement of my house hack. And I've got a family of three that lives above me and pays me more money than my mortgage is worth every single month. And so Craig did that at an accelerated rate. He actually does rent by the room. So that's something I haven't had the balls to really do yet. So talk to me about some of the um, pros and cons of rent by the room. And are you still doing that? Are you starting to move away from that a bit now? Yeah. So rent by the room is a phenomenal strategy for when you are starting out. Uh, house yeah. hack one, two, three, right? Um, you're going to get, at least in the Denver market, you're going to get probably a thousand dollars more in rent doing rent by the room than you would as traditional rental. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can, and you can buy a single family house, right? You don't even need the in-law suite. And so you can buy, uh, you know, these days it's like 400, $450,000 house, five bed, three bath, um, live in one room, rent out the others. And, you know, your mortgage payment on that might be, I don't know, 22, 2300. Uh, your, you know, you're, you're going to get seven, 800 a month from these four tenants, these four other tenants. Right. And so you're already looking at just while living there, you're going to be cash flowing $400 a month. Then when you move out, that's another $800 a month on top of that. Right. So you're looking at over a thousand dollars a month over the mortgage when doing rent by the room. And so uh, it is, it is a little bit more time consuming. It's harder to find a property manager that will take these on. Um, it's, there's definitely some more drama you have to deal with. So, you know, the thousand dollars isn't, isn't a free, free $1,000. Like you're putting in more work to get this extra money a month. Um, now I am at the stage where I no longer have any rent mother room properties. Uh, so I've got, you know, I've got six properties here in Denver now. And so it just became six properties and that's like probably 12 units. Uh, and it just became too much. Um, on the management side. So I decided, Hey, I'm okay. Forfeiting this thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I just want to rent it out. I want it to be sustainable and I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear anything. I want to focus on growing our brand, growing the five team coming on podcasts and chatting with you. Like that's the stuff that I like to do. So anything that's a heavy task, I, 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 I outsource now. So Talk a little bit more on that. Let's div- let's dive deep into heavy tasks versus light tasks because I think that's something that people can apply um, now in whatever they're doing, and I think this can be applied to W two jobs, um, to hobbies, anything that they're currently doing right now. Yeah. So heavy task is something. It's just it feels heavy, right? It's like it's draining you down. You don't want to do it. For me, it's like picking up the phone and calling anybody. Like I just hate calling, calling the bank, calling, setting up appointments, stuff like that. And so oh, yeah. I, I don't do that. Like, I don't do that anymore. Right. Like I've got an assistant and they do all that. Um, you know, one thing that we're working on now is like setting up some email lists and, um, you know, do it like even posting on social media. It's like, those are heavy tasks for me. So I don't want to do them. Right. Like I will be the brains behind them. I will kind of orchestrate it, but I don't want to be the one actually hitting the post button. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, light tasks are things that you like to do coming on these podcasts, talking about real estate, writing, uh, exercising, reading, all those kind of things. You can't really outsource exercising. At least I haven't figured it out. Yet. So, um, but so yeah, 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 you got to do that no matter what. Um, but you know, it's those things that you actually like to do. Uh, and so, you know, I think like when you, when you're about to do a task and it's like, you're just procrastinating it, 
that's something that you should try to outsource. Um, and, and in the beginning, you can't, right? You don't have the money to. But as you grow and scale and after you get your second, third, fourth property and the money's coming in, don't be afraid to pay $100 to have someone come, o- come over and put together that damn Ikea bed, right? Or the whatever it is, right? Yeah, I heard. Do you follow Naval Ravikant on Twitter or anything or heard of him before? No. So he he's like an angel investor slash philosopher slash tweeter. And he he said something to where he was like, he puts a dollar per hour um, rate on anything that he does. And if that rate would cost if that task would cost less than his own ideological dollar per hour. So I think he put like he started with like a thousand dollars per hour is what his time is worth. So he was like anything that takes that would cost less than a thousand dollars an hour to outsource. I'm going to outsource it. Mm-hmm. Matt's getting groceries, running errands, cleaning the house. He doesn't want to clean the house. So he hires a maid. Yep. And so it kind of goes down that. So you think that that's kind of what you're talking about there? Yeah, that's that's a way. But sometimes there's things that, you know, would be cheap to hire out the higher out that, that I just like to do. Um, and so I'll do those, right? Like right. I don't have that many examples if I'm being honest, but like, for example, my girlfriend loves grocery shopping. I personally hate it, but I can't outsource her grocery shopping with me. Like she likes <laughs> that quality time. And so I have to go grocery shopping with her. And, and there's like, there's just like some things you can't outsource, right? You can't mm-hmm. outsource that. You can't outsource calling your mom. You can't outsource, uh, going grocery sh- or, um, what's it called? Uh, exercising. And so these things that you just can't outsource, you have to do. Um, but I would agree that like, yeah, you know, I definitely think of the dollar per hour thing and sometimes I'll even pay more. Uh, yeah. than I'm worth for the convenience like, for the convenience and to like get it done better. Mm-hmm. Right. I just got a visual of hiring like one of those telemarketers that asked you about your car's extended warranty and like having yeah. them call my mom and be like, Hey, this is Brian. How are you? How are you doing mom? she's like what the hell yeah Yeah, she's like Like, what the hell is this yeah so i mean but that the whole concept of what you're saying is powerful because it kind of goes into it ties into a why because when you start the journey and i'm i'm in that journey right now too i'm in that middle spot to where it's like craig was probably like a year like two years ago is where i'm at right now and you get to the point where it's starts with cash flow it's all about cash flow to begin and then once you have the cash flow start coming in, you realize that money is a tool. Then you start you start caring more about like quality, convenience, stuff like that. And then now the cash allows you to be able to move kind of in that avenue. Is that kind of hitting on what you were saying? Yeah, you know, once you become financially independent, right? So like I think everyone's first goal should should be to become financially independent. And what that means is your passive income exceeds your expenses, right? Once your passive income exceeds your expenses, you can keep your expenses low and keep increasing your passive income. You can start introducing some luxuries into your life. Some people think think of luxury as like they're going to buy the nice car or the nice house or whatever. Honestly, my first luxury was I'm going to hire a maid or whatever, a cleaning person um, to come clean my house because I, I hate cleaning. And that's not like a thing that I can show people, but it's something that I don't have to do, right? Um Something that my girlfriend and I do is I buy the groceries, she cooks them. Mm-hmm. You know how much stress that is relieved from our relationship? We don't need to figure out who's making lunch. We don't need to figure out who's buying groceries this week. I buy the groceries, she makes the food. 
the food tastes way better and there's, and there's no stress. Right. And so like, there's stuff like that, that I, that was my first thing is like, who am I going to call to cut my lawn? Who am I going to call to shovel my driveway? Who am I going to call? Like, those are the things that I started outsource first, like the service-based things to get back my time. Cause I think that's more valuable than anything. I love that. And then the concepts you're talking about, there are kind of like the money dials from, um, it's like Ramit Sethi or whatever. Um, he talks about, yeah, he talks about where you want to spend lavishly on things that excite you and things that pump you up and then cut ruthlessly back on every single other thing. Yeah. So Craig and a lot of the other guys for everybody listening, Craig and a lot of the other guys that uh, I run with and we're friends with and that we're going to have on the podcast, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth and the fact that as you make more passive income, none of us are too, too material. I wouldn't say we're all more about the traveling. We're all more about the convenience. We're all more about if you, if you saw us walking by on the street, like you wouldn't think, Oh, that guy's flexing, <laughs> you know? No, there's no, yeah. I mean, no flexing. Yeah. I mean, we just got back from a conference full of millionaires. Right. And yep. did you notice any freaking Gucci purses or any like, whatever. I think, like, no, any, I think Brandon, Brandon Turner had a Gucci purse. Yeah, I thought Brandon had one. Well, he, he can have one because he's, you know, him and David Green, maybe our next level. But, um, <laughs> you know, most of the people there are just looking like your normal dudes, right? And I think that's uh, that, that's the kind of crowd that I like to be part of. Exactly. To where we're, we're more so about the freedom part of it and not having to submit a PTO request instead of uh, having to have a name brand that's on us. I got this from Goodwill, man. I love Thank it. But um, to kind of to kind of hit back, what was your moment where you realized that early financial independence was possible? And then what was your moment where you realized that, hey, this is something I want to actively pursue? What was your aha moment in that journey? Because how old are you, Craig? I'm 28. 28. OK, so for people listening that can't see him in this uh, marvelous mustache and right here is 28. So what did you so what was your aha moment that made you realize, oh, crap, this is all possible? So I was 23 years old at that job that I hated that I talked about previously. And I was actually um, going on a walk with my intern at the time. And he told me how his dad invested in real estate, invested in like a nine unit 20 or 30 years ago. It's fully paid off, pays him like 10 or 15 grand a month. And that's like what he lives off of. And I was like, shoot, that seems like easy. Like that seems like. That's one property. It's one property, nine units. He like, he just does it. And then he's got like a property management company and stuff now. But like, um, you know, that was it though. That was what got him to financial independence. And I was like, huh. Your like, intern? My intern's dad. Interns. Okay. Your intern's yeah. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I actually got coffee with him or launch actually kind of picked his brain a bit. And um, he was like, yeah, man, like it's a really, it's a fun industry to be a part of. Like, for some reason, not everybody does it, but it's just definitely a really good way to get wealthy and, and, and get rich. And then I started looking and I was like, shit, I'm in this place right now that's 20 units. It's this mom and pop, you know, little, you know, little Latino, like older lady um, coming in and her and her husband come in and collect rent like, like every month. And I'm like, is this thing paid off? And I'm paying like 
two grand and there's 20 of these units, are they making 40 grand a month? Right? Like, holy crap. It's oh, like, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, that's kind of my like, holy crap, anyone can do this. Right. And then I started listening to bigger pockets and I thought bigger pockets was a total scam at first. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I, I dug deeper and realized they were legit. And I was like, okay, Bros. like, this, this is a real deal. And this is like the path that I'm going to go down and we'll see what happens. Like, let me get three to 5,000 in passive income and then we'll see what happens from there. So then, yeah, I just started like doing crazy amounts of education. Like mm-hmm. I would watch Brandon's like webinars, like literally every single week I had them. Dude, I still have notes on like 40 different webinars and they were like the same webinars. He only throws like 10 webinars, but I still watched like on them on repeat. I didn't even realize it. Uh, and so like, all of that learning and education just got prepared me for getting that first one, the second one, the third one into where I am today with, you know, decent amount of rental properties and, and a good amount of passive income. And uh, I, I feel, you know, like life is good. Right. Yeah. It's like future voice, you know, life is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Life is good. <laughs> hey, life is good. Um, so tell me if this has been your experience. Cause it's kind of been mine. Um, so I'm a big, uh, self-development junkie, do a lot of books, seminars, webcasts, uh, podcasts, all that good stuff. After you listen and read to enough of them, it's kind of like the same recurring 20 to 50 things, concepts, ideas between everything. Once you listen to enough of them and you kind of realize that like information isn't necessarily the answer. Uh, what what is Brandon? What is his phrase that he says? He's like, if information yeah. was the answer, everyone would be a billionaire with six pack apps. Um, so how did you go about taking the action? Because I read the foreword to your book and Brandon hits on you for action. And so you just went and did did the damn thing. So can you hit a little bit on about what separates you from actually acting on the information that you learned and somebody that's just going to sit and try to read another book? So there's, there's, it's funny, right? It's because the information that I read told me and made me realize that I would run into analysis paralysis and would be afraid to not take action. And so I realized I was able to kind of like inwardly and yeah, inwardly reflect and be like, I'm yeah. at the stage where I'm like, there's nothing else I need to know. I just need to go do it. And so it was just like, I kind of looked and I was like, okay, there's a lot of dumb people that buy houses. Like I'm not the stupidest person to buy a house. <laughs> So if they can figure it out, I can figure it out. And so I just kind of went with it, right? I'm like, I got a whole community of people around me. I'm surrounding myself with real estate investors. If I ever have a question, I can go in bigger pockets and ask, or I can go whatever chat with Scott or Brandon or whatever. And, um, and but people like, you don't need to talk to us. I didn't talk to Brandon or Scott very much. Like I did not bog them down with my silly little one-time house hacking questions, right? Mm-hmm. I figured most of the shit out on my own without their help. Um, and like the, the minutia stuff. And that's just like, you just figure out, figure it out. Like you got to have faith in yourself. Um, and that, that discomfort, um, that, that like pit in the, in the, the, your stomach, when you feel uncomfortable, like that's, that's growth right there. Like that is the sign of growth. And I just try to always have that kind of mentality of like, just push myself out of my comfort zone every day. Mm. And I want to, I want to go back to the fact that Cause you just said, you said that it was very powerful and important for you to be around the Brandon Turners, to be around Scott Trent, who's the CEO now of bigger pockets and around all these people. I think you're drastically underplaying how badass it was that you quit your six figure job 
to go to be in that environment willingly and intentionally at bigger pockets to be able to put yourself in that environment to where this was possible. Can you speak a little bit about how environment may be the make or break factor for a lot of people? Oh, for sure. Like I also like I was I was kind of a shithead in San Francisco when I was living out there. You um, believe it or not, man, drinking every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Man. Like what I did in my 20, 22, 23. And then I was like, Denver is a time where I can wipe my slate clean. I stopped drinking. I was like reading like crazy, um, saving money like crazy. All of my friends were real estate friends. Like I did not have a single friend that was not somehow tied to real estate. Mm-hmm. It just elevated my game so much. And just being around those people made me realize like, whoa, like I don't have to be a shithead. Like there's, I don't need to escape my life because I like on Friday night to at the bar, like I can actually enjoy my life Monday through Friday. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, the environment, I mean, you are the five people you hang out with is just such a true statement. Like what, there's another saying too. It's like that. It's like, I can tell you your net worth. I can tell you who you are. Just show me your friends. Right. Mm. Those lines. Uh, And it's so true. So true. Man. Yeah. That's crazy. Was there any specific moment that kind of led from 22, 23 year old Craig to that, or was it just the job transition? And it just happened to be right time, right place. Um, It's right time, right place. I was ready to make that move and I was ready to pursue financial independence and I figured moving to a new place is just a perfect time to wipe a slate clean because I just, again, right. It's like, I knew nobody in Denver. Um, so the people that I knew it's, I'm I'm only going to meet real estate people. I'm going to real estate meetups. I'm going to try to find some people that are my age, which are a few, uh, 23, 24 year olds, like in real estate, but there were a couple, right. And, And I'm friends with those people to this day. And now there's more and more, like now we've got a whole community of people, real estate investors, financial freedom seekers, all that, just hanging out here in Denver, right? It's a, it's a, it's a fun place to be. Yeah. And um, from your experience, for me, it was kind of, it's kind of difficult still to find that kind of sweet spot where it's like trying to find people that you still enjoy hanging out with, but are also like airtight in business. And they've got like the same vision and ideals that you have, like, for me, it's going to like networking events and like local RIA meetups and stuff like that. Um, is that something that you're kind of doing too? Yeah. Real estate events. Um, that's the biggest thing. Like a meet, the real estate meetups um, nearby. Uh, that's definitely where I made most of my friends, honestly. And then you just kind of meet people through there, right? Like you go out with them and then they've got a friend that's in real estate or whatever. And I don't know, it just kind of grows, right? You start hanging out with your realtor maybe. And like your realtor knows people in real estate and, you kind of just like, like the real estate community in any individual city is probably pretty small and everyone kind of knows everybody. So yeah, I mean, once you get in, it's just, it's just fun. I used to, when I first moved to Denver, I it was my goal to get five coffees a week. And so I'd reach out to people on bigger pockets and set up coffee dates mm. every single day of the week, 7.15 AM. No one is, you know, no one's got anything going on at 7.15 AM. Right. So I would get coffee. I'd buy them a coffee. And we just chat. And before you knew it, I knew pretty much everybody in the bigger pockets community in Denver. And um, yeah, you just learned a whole bunch that way. Man, I think you're, I think you're underplaying that. I think that may be one of the most powerful things that you probably did. I know. And I honestly forgot that I did it until right now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, that was something that Scott told me to do. He's like, go and have coffee with someone every, every day at 7, 15 AM. Like your goal should be five a week. And I did that for about six months. So 
five Ooh. a week times 20. That's like a hundred people that I got coffee with. And that, I mean, that's like the big people in the community. Right. Um, and so, you know, then I started seeing those people again at the meetups and I saw them again here and again there. And it was like, Hey, I fit in. I know everybody. Um, and if you can just be a likable person and you don't need to get anything from them, like my goal wasn't to get anything from them. It was just to like, get to know, them, right. Just be a friend. And then mm-hmm. when you need something, they're there for you. And so that's really, um, and, and vice versa. And that's kind of how relationships start. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a lot of the networking events that you go to, it's kind of like you see, and this is advice to people that are listening to this right now is like, if, and it's cause some of you haven't been to a quote unquote networking event. Um, you see a lot of business card exchange. You see a lot of like two minute conversations like, Hey man, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Oh, I do this. I do this. And then you change business, exchange business cards. And then most of the time, let's call it what it is. They probably end up in the trash can. Mm-hmm. They, like there's no, there's so there's nothing that really happened there. There was no authenticity. There was no connection. There was no, um, cause your agenda was business. Yeah. So I, I think that relationships are better served coming from at like, you know, you've got like B2B sales. It's like more so like doing human to human. Totally agree. I think like my, I've made most of my friends just by kind of being in, in their circle at that time. Right. And let's say I really want to meet someone like Brian, I really, really want to meet you. And Aww. I see you, I see you like across the room and you've got a group of people around you. Like if I come yeah, with the mustache. Like, if I come up to you and like Brian, I'm so happy to meet you. I can't, I, I can't tell you, I'm so a fan of your stuff. It's like there's like this, like you're not going to be my friend, right? You, like, there's this like authority thing that's going on here. We're like, I there's a power imbalance. Yeah, exactly. So it's like yeah. I would rather treat you like I would anyone else. And like, hey, when we're in the same place at the same time, I will be sure to like shake your hand, make an introduction we'll get along because I get along with most people and like, that's, that's it. Right. And then you become yeah. friends and then like someone's more likely to help out a friend mm-hmm. than they are someone that's like obsessed with them. is just going to praise them all day. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my advice to anybody listening to this podcast would be to go to your local uh, steamboat Springs, Colorado bar just look around, look around the room and just start buying dudes beers. And then all of a sudden they're going to be on the podcast with you about, yeah. <laughs> did you buy me a beer? I, hell, I don't remember, man. Yeah. I don't remember either. Like I said, it was a fun night, I guess. Yeah, man. It was a good time. Um, I want to be conscious of your time here as we kind of wrap things up. So I want to talk about the book um, because it's one thing for you to do the house hack. Like I've done the house hack. A lot of other people probably, 100,000 people in the United States, if not more, have done the house hack, but you wrote a freaking book on it that had the foreword from Brandon Turner that wrote the original book on house hacking. How did that materialize? How did that come to be? And what different spin did you have that they were like, hey, this is good enough to be its own separate thing and it has legs to run? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, So Brandon was initially going to write the book on house hacking. However, Mm -hmm. he was too busy. I don't know if he was starting his, uh, his mobile home fund or he was too busy, right? I think he just had a kid, like he had a lot going on. He didn't want to write a book. Um, and so they went to Scott trench to write the book. Scott was the newly anointed CEO of bigger pockets. He also had a lot going on and just like never got around to writing the book. And so I was actually third in line to write this book. And so I could have let my pride get the best of me. Cause at the time, like 
Scott and Brandon hadn't house hacked in a few years. I, I was like in the flesh and blood of it. Um, You're living it. Living it. And I was also helping, I was starting to help other people as an agent do it too. So like I've done, you know, five house hacks myself, but I've helped hundreds and hundreds of other people directly house hack. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, I think I'm like, I'm the guy to write this book. And so like when they gave me the opportunity, I was like, hell yeah, I'll write the book. Like I am like, no one's going to know that like they went to Brandon first with the Scott first and I was the third line. I mean, I'm telling you this because that's just how it was. And the, the moral of the story here is sometimes opportunities come when you're third in line. Right. And then you just have to seize those opportunities when they're, when they're, um, when they're presented to you. You're ready to go. It's like luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. Yeah. I mean, you're a football guy. You're going to hate this analogy, um, especially if you're from Atlanta, but like Tom Brady, right. I, I mentioned him a lot. Uh, I grew up in new England, so <sighs> I know you hate him. I know you're still, uh, hurting, but, uh, his this has been an action Academy <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but for those that don't know his story, right? Like he was the third string quarterback and he, so like this one guy got hurt, this other guy got hurt and then he came in he was ready to go. And I think like, if you can just be ready to go when the opportunity presents itself, you'll be good. So be prepared. Dude, that was a, that was a bomb right there. You just dropped. Yeah. I'm I'm right. I'm over here writing it down. Um, Also side note, Tom Brady, I'm a huge Tom Brady guy now. Like, okay. You may not be now, but he's just no, so I much likable now that he's in Tampa Bay. Oh, dude, I I love him just as much. Like, how do you? I just can't like. You can't be it's mad. Like, we can't be mad. No goals, like, and also no. the fact that he just keeps winning is just like so much fun to watch. That like let's just have him keep winning. Him and Saban to where yeah. it's like it's such a cyclical sport where you're like. How did they like continuously win over all these years, over all these decades? Dude, like that's insane. It's great. Yeah. But um, so what's so what's next for you? What's what's the vision coming up? What's the vision with the five team? What's uh you gonna write any more books? What you got? Yeah, so I guess there's a lot kind of coming on, coming, coming out of the pipe here, uh, or coming in the pike, whatever it's called. Uh so doing great <laughs> we got the fight yeah we got we got the five team uh we're growing uh we're investor friendly agents we're growing out of residential arms so we're going to help first-time home buyers buy and sell their houses um that's the next big thing on the five team uh as for the five guy like kind of like my own personal brand um i've got another book coming out soon it's basically all about this complete disaster deal that i did in jacksonville um mm. i'll just send that off to the editor so hopefully in a few months that'll be um getting launched um We've got our podcast. It's called the Five Team Podcast. Uh, we're actually going to be rebranding that any any day now. Uh, but again, just helping people achieve financial independence through real estate investing. Like that's all, everything that I do. Kind of just goes into that. So it's whether it's the podcast, whether it's the book, whether it's um, the other book, the course, the, our team. Like everything we do is just kind of focused towards that. Cool. So it's like a giant like umbrella theme that you can kind of, dude. No, I love that man. And I love watching you do what you do. I loved hearing you. Um, you should have named the book, The House Hacking Strategy, Pulling the Curtain Back. Pulling um, the Curtain Back. Pulling the Curtain Back. So next time, give me a shout, man. I'll, get, I'll give you a hand on that. Or, uh, I'm thinking of like my next book after this one. It might be yep. called Behind the Curtain. Ooh. And talking about Ooh. like what, what it actually takes to be successful. Like you you know, what, what, how, what, it, what you do versus what you see. Uh, 
that's actually that actually could work yeah i know that's why i'm like that's oh, your man. origin story yeah it's like super villain origin, the superhero or origin story yeah yeah so we'll see we'll see i think we'll i think i'll probably do it uh, i just like to write so it'll be it'll be fun no that's awesome but yeah, Craig, one of the reasons I had you on and like this is kind of my focus and it's going to be a recurring theme for the first couple of guests on this podcast is um, having people that are younger and that are killing it when they're young, because that speaks to intentionality. And, you know, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this in the beginning are going to be a little bit younger, kind of trying to figure out how to get started. They're interested in the concepts and they want to start, go from zero to two or zero to five, and then start running down that line to a hundred. So, man, it's been uh, awesome watching you run that race. Um, I'm, I'm coming up right behind you, man, following your footsteps. And I love it. Love every single bit of it. Um, every single time that I feel like bitching about living in my house hack, I just remember, hey, Brian, shut the hell up. Craig lived behind a curtain in his own living room. Yep. And so just remember that you're thought about often, man. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, well, I appreciate that. My, my theory back in the day was own everything, use nothing. <laughs> Ooh, that's would rent out, yeah. Would rent out like pretty much everything I had. So um, no, I love it, man. And I know you're in the basement. I've felt that pain of upstairs noise when you're downstairs. Yep. That's the only downside. You breathe through it, man. You got to breathe through it. I know. But the only thing that any, so anybody that listens to this, that is like, okay, cool. Well, there's noise. I'm not doing it. You know, screw it. I'm not doing it. You live in an apartment. Like there's noise to the up by upstairs, downstairs from you to the left and to the right. I remember a guy smoking a blunt in the bathroom next to where my, like I could smell it every single day. You know, parts of me were jealous, but like, (laughs) like, you know, Anyways, brother, I want to be conscious of your time here. So, man, I appreciate the absolute hell out of you, Craig. Um, So, man, you are at the Fi Guy. Is there any other uh, handles, platforms you want people to look you up on? Uh, If you want to check out our team, it's you can go to thefiteam.com. If you want to take our course on house hacking, thefiteam.com slash course. Or the Fi Guy on Instagram. That's the, uh, or or our podcast, the Fi Team podcast. So, um, perfect. yeah, all fun stuff. Um, just Denver market for uh, investors that you help, or is it all across the country that can just reach out to you as like a local boots on the ground? Uh, yeah, we, we've got pretty much connections everywhere. So if you need help wherever you are, you can just reach out to us and we'll hook you up. Perfect. Craig, you're the man. Appreciate Brian, thanks so much for having me on, man. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Cool. Thank you, sir. And then this is Brian Lubin, Craig Kirlop signing off on the second episode of the Mother Freaking Action Academy. <laughs>